Hello and welcome to Canada Reads American Style. I'm Shauna. And I'm Rebecca. Today we're going to give our fabulous review of The Red Chesterfield by Wayne Arthurson, who we had the pleasure of interviewing last week. So please take a minute and listen to his interview and don't forget to subscribe to our channel. So The Red Chesterfield is about M, who is a bylaw officer living with two brothers in their parents' old house. While investigating a suspicious yard sale, M discovers a red Chesterfield sitting in a ditch. Looking closer, M finds a running shoe and a severed foot. Now, M is involved in a murder investigation. Meanwhile, older brother K's work for a new political party begins to seem suspicious while younger brother Jay navigates the complicated world of young adulthood in a boss, Rhonda demands more and more attention. M must navigate a world of Russian gangsters and neglected wives, biker gangs, and suspicious coincidences. On top of everything else, M is determined to track down the owner of that red Chesterfield and make sure they get a ticket. Just a reminder to our listeners, we will be doing an in-depth discussion about this book, so this is your spoiler warning. If you have not read the book, please note that we will be talking about characters and things that occur in the actual story, and you'll want to take a listen to our podcast later on. So don't forget to come on back and listen to what we have to say about The Red Chesterfield by Wayne Arthurson. Yes, and I just want to say that is great advice because this is a book that you definitely don't want to know anything about before you have read it because it's an amazing, entertaining, highly entertaining take on the mystery genre. And it's just so much fun and you don't want to have any spoilers in advance. So what we normally do when we uh, review our books, we have a little chart that we go through and we're just going to, it's a number of subjects. We're going to rate them just on a scale of one to 10. And then we'll jump right into our uh, actual comments about the story. So I'll go through these, Shauna. What did you score quality of writing? I scored this a nine. I gave it a 10. Pace. Ooh, that was a 10. Definitely a 10. I agree. Plot development. That was a 10 for me. I gave it a 9, but I'll explain later why I gave it a 9. Characters. 10. 10, I agree. Enjoyability. 10. 10, I agree. Insightfulness. You know, I think I'm going to give this one a 9. Oh, gosh. I gave it a one, which I'll explain later. I gave it a one. All right. Ease of reading. Nine. I gave it a 10. And then it doesn't have photos or illustrations, so that's not applicable. So, well, let's just jump right into it, Shauna. What did you think of The Red Chesterfield? As an overall story... Now, mind you, this book is only 94 pages long. There, are, Every single page is one chapter. So basically, you have like 90 chapters in this very short novella. And even two of the chapters are one sentence long. So 
you know, it was really nice to be able to read a book and get done with it in an hour and be like, I got this. Cool. Uh, so that's my first thing that I like about it. The second thing, uh, it's very much based on the reader's perception. And even though it might take you an hour to get through this book, you're going to spend so much time thinking through the several different queries and logistics and just bits and pieces of the story in order to see if you are going to be able to figure out what's going to happen or not. And guess what? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it is, it's very, yeah, well, let me, let me back up for a second and say, I read the book the first time and I read, actually read it right around my birthday in April and I loved it. It was weird and quirky. I keep saying that it's weird and quirky, but I had heard Wayne's interview with Sheila Rogers. And as soon as I heard the interview, I was like, oh, I've got to read this book. So I bought it and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. But I have to say that I was, I felt kind of confused by the whole thing, but I, but I loved it because it was weird and quirky. So then when we were getting ready for the podcast, I reread the book and now I have a deeper appreciation for everything it stands for and everything he's trying to accomplish with it. It is hilarious to me. I just, I laughed through the whole thing the second time around. And one of the things I had kind of forgotten is that there are, it isn't just one Chesterfield, Red Chesterfield, it's three Red Chesterfields. And yet, how in the world, I mean, first of all, in, in our, in my life, a, a Chesterfield is a very elegant, grand fancy schmancy couch, right? Because here in the United States, we would just say couch. In fact, I don't even think, did you ever say sofa? We always just said couch. Yeah, we always said couch too. Yeah. So a red, so a Chesterfield to me signifies something grand and something special. So the fact that three of them showed up pretty much in the same ditch <laughs> with one <laughs> severed foot and one dead body is just kind of, I keep laughing, but it just sort of makes you think, how did he arrive at all of those things? I mean, how did he come up with that craziness? It's just really entertaining. Right. And we have to say too, the best part about this book, which is probably the most entertaining part of the whole thing, is the fact that it's it's full of red herrings. And when we interviewed Wayne, I had asked him what was his favorite red herring or what was his I think, I don't know if I said favorite or, or what was the biggest, maybe the biggest red herring. And to me, the biggest red herring was on the back of the book that Shauna just read, it talks about biker gangs and there are no biker gangs in the story. And after I finished the book the first time, and then I read the back of the book, I, I thought, wait a minute, biker gangs. And I, I racked my brain thinking, but where were the biker gangs? And I tried to flip through it and I couldn't find it. So I just sort of let it go. Well, when I read it the second time, I knew to be prepared to look for the biker gangs. And of course, there are no biker gangs. So even that, even that clever little thing on the back cover of the book throws you a red herring. So the book is just full of them because at the end of the day, you don't know, <laughs> you don't know who the severed foot belongs to and you don't know who severed the foot and put it there or who killed the 
jerk neighbor, you know, the one that kept going, fuck you, or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. The, oh, my God. Let's see here. The fourth, yeah, the fourth chapter in the book is This Fucking City. <laughs> and I think, yeah, even the title of the book is a red herring because it's called The Red Chesterfield, but there's three Chesterfields <gasps> in it. That's right. I didn't even connect the dots on that one. You know what would be a really great thing for some somebody from an academic standpoint, like for a professor to assign that book to a class to say, identify all the red herrings. Wouldn't that be wild? It would be. I would totally read that. I would read their papers. I would grade them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not? So tell me about how did you like the character relationships? Because we both gave the characters really high ratings. And since it's such a short book, how do you think he was able to accomplish that? That's a great question. I, For me, well, first of all, there were he throws this in, in, I think, maybe two places where you learn that it's an indigenous brothers, their indigenous family. And... So I loved the characters. My yeah, I loved I loved all of them. So there's M, J, and K. And so K is the oldest, then there's M, and then J is the youngest, right? And I thought he developed them really well because I really got I really had a sense of who M was, like when he was out there writing his tickets and and people like screaming at him and just, you know wanting to not obviously get a ticket for an infraction that they had, you know, that they were guilty of, I guess. But I really got a sense of who he was. But, you know, I kind of I kind of wondered if M wasn't on the autism scale. I kind of thought he might be just because of how he reacted to things, because it it was a little bit. He, he didn't seem to form relationships like even people at work, you know, when he goes back to work after he's had his trauma and stuff. I just sort of felt like he was disconnected a little bit from the people around him. And especially too, because of his relationship, which I'll let you talk about with Rhonda. I just sort of felt like that might be the case, that he was a little either socially awkward or maybe on the spectrum a little bit. The younger brother, Jay, I liked him. I, I could totally picture him just laying around playing video games. And then Kay, yeah, complete cheat and scumbag, right? So I don't know. I thought I, I really liked the character development because I, I sort of could picture all three of them. So why do you think Kay is a cheat or a scumbag? Well, he was cheating people. I mean, he was cheating people, right? He was he was entering. He was what was it? They were voting. That's what it was. They were they were having some kind of an, an, like an election of some sort, like a local election of some sort. I mean, it could have been for like a union steward or something. I, I don't remember what it was. But he was cheating because he had that whole list of all those names and he was assigning votes to them or something. So you didn't think that was bad? I mean, he got caught. Right. And that's why they had to burn the they had to burn the evidence. Well, since there was no real connection to what organization it was for, I thought that maybe he was doing a good thing. Like he was doing it as a like undercover type thing and he thought what he was doing was a good deed and him getting rid of the votes would be saving 
whatever, or like say it was a crime syndicate and uh, the votes were going to hire the new crime lord. See, I think of, you know, I th for me, because it was connected to voting, I thought of Chicago immediately. And there's that whole Chicago history of the aldermen, you know, uh, buying votes and, and cheating in elections. So that's where I went with it. So it's interesting. We just had a different take on that. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was this benevolent guy who was helping somebody out. But I just sort of felt like he seemed to be sweating bullets whether or not he was going to get caught and his brothers saved his bacon. Right. You know, M saved his bacon by burning the evidence. So that's it. That's interesting that we have a different take on that. Now, what do you think about the character development? And you can talk about, because I do want to talk a little bit about Yuri and Cassandra and everybody, but go ahead. What did you think of the characters? So I really like that you get a sense of the characters based on the situations that they're being put in. So there's a couple of flashbacks that that's where we really get to know the three brothers. Uh, and then in regards to the other characters in the story that Rebecca has been mentioning, such as Yuri, there's Boris, which is Yuri's brother, then Yuri's wife and Boris's wife, as well as Rhonda, you really get a sense of the characters based on the situations that they're in and the decisions that they're making. It's not so much about dialogue or, um, and it talks about their presence. And that's something I really like because sometimes you don't really get that from the background characters in a lot of books. You only get the sense of, okay, they're going to say they're a bit of dialogue and then they're out. Whereas in this novella, it talks about whether they seem to be kind or patient or whether they're rushing or if they're angry. Like the fucking guy, he is so angry all the time. And it's all in his mannerisms that you're getting these angry bits. And some of my favorite books, even I always recommend them to people who are looking for psychological thrillers. I'm always like, oh, you know, you should read these books because they made me feel cold based on all the cold terminology within the book. Or it made me feel hot because of all the hot terminology. The same thing with the characters in this book. And I think that's why he develops them so well is because when you are reading about them, you're getting the sense of the characteristics that are important to them. So like one of the things you'll that Rebecca and I discuss all the time is that I take a little bit more time to think and react. And Rebecca is, she says squirrel kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Squirrel. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm like Doug in the movie uh, Up. Yeah. Right. That's where I think the character development is so great in this book. The one thing I do want to mention now that you're talking about characters, though, in, in the past is that when K and M are in the movie theater, remember they cheat and he, they, they slip into another movie. Mm -hmm. So I think that is what helped me determine that K grew up to be a cheater because he was the young and a cheater. That's all oh. I want to say. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. see. You know, now that yeah. you explain it as the voting thing, I, I can see that. You find out, because you're just sort of tooling along, you're getting a sense of who the characters are, everything's good. And then all of a sudden things get thrown in at the end. 
kind of. And I'm thinking to myself, what a effed up mess this whole thing is. You know what I mean? It's just like, but you know, I, but it could be real life. That's the other way to look at it. As weird and quirky as the whole story is, I was thinking that there are probably a lot of people in all kinds of relationships that if the world knew, we would all say, no, I don't think that many people do that. But I think people do. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I didn't, but well, I'm just saying. <laughs> here's a question for you. How long do you think this takes? Like, what is the time span from the beginning of the book to the end of the book? Is it a week, two weeks? I didn't get a sense that it was a long period of time, did you? I don't think so. I, f I feel like it was like a week. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a kind of a, yeah. It, it, that's why I say the book's about, well, you said it's 94 pages, but I, I maybe it ends on page 99 or so, I think or something like that. But it might start on uh, later in the, like a page five or whatever, but it's, it's, it's a short read. It's quick. It's got a lot of quirky stuff in it. It has... You're not going to know anything by the time you're done reading it, but that does not make you not love the story, right? It's just so fantastic. So I know we talked a little bit about this, not fully, but so who was your favorite character? Oh, my favorite character is Cassandra. And uh, so Cassandra is Yuri's wife, and I like her because she takes care of M when he wakes up from taking a nap at her house after visiting as a police officer, which he should not have done. <laughs> and she trusts M to help her with the situation that she has, especially when Yuri goes missing. And the interesting thing about Yuri going missing is Cassandra knows that he went missing because he, she is in contact with Yuri but Yuri won't tell her where he is until she gets M to come and find him. And M refuses to get involved. So I really like Cassandra's part in the story and how she's trying to save her relationship with Yuri by not telling Boris about what her husband is doing. Okay, I thought... I did not like Cassandra at all. I didn't like her character. I mean, I didn't like her because <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> we just don't agree on this. I thought Cassandra was this like a kind of um, she was manipulative because getting him over there. He, he, I mean, M comes across as a as a vulnerable kind of sensitive. Odd guy, right? I mean, he's just not he's not the norm. And so I felt she was, I felt she and Yuri were completely manipulating him. And I'm telling you right now, when he was over their house, that dude did not fall asleep. That tea was drugged. There is no question in my mind that tea was drugged because nobody walks into a house and just falls asleep. And I know you said it was the PTSD from finding the severed foot, but in, here's my take on it. M as a bylaw officer is very serious about his job. He takes his he takes his his role in the cog of the government machine really seriously. He doles out those tickets. He follows his process. And when he stepped into that house, I was just like, no, that's not M. 
M would not have done that, I don't think. He would not have really walked into that house. Falling asleep in the house for a couple of hours? No way. I just didn't believe it. So to me, he was drugged, which made Cassandra and Yuri Russian mafia members somehow. And no, no biker gangs, but definitely Russian mob. And so I did not like them at all. I, they, to me, they were characters that I wanted to punch them because I, my favorite character was M. I think he's, like I said, he's sort of vulnerable. He's, he, I'm not so sure he would understand a joke if you played a joke on him or if you teased him, I'm not quite sure he would get it. I think he's just kind of like, especially because his parents had passed away and he seemed a little bit like a lonely character to me. And, you know, he really wanted to have Rhonda in his life, but he didn't really have Rhonda in his life because he, he had to share her with Kay. So I saw him as a really sympathetic character that I felt sorry for. And I kind of wanted to just give him a hug and say, oh, you know, it'll be okay. And I just felt like people were manipulating him. I think Kay definitely manipulated him, especially when he wouldn't let him sit in the with him. I mean, that whole thing, that was weird. I was like, oh, like, quit being so mean. And he was accused of murder for crying out, or was a suspect at one point for murder. So I just, that's why I loved M. And I said, I was telling, you know, when we did the interview with Wayne Arthurson, I said that some characters just li will live with you forever. And I kind of picture what M looks like. And I just, he'll, I think he'll be a character I'll live, I'll, he'll live in my mind for a really, really long time. I think he's a very sweet, I like, if I met him, I would be like, oh, he, I'd say, I would say to myself, oh, he is so sweet, but he is tightly wound, right? Where he is a little anal retentive and has to follow the rules, but he means well. That's my long winded answer. I don't answer. know. I, I think I have to disagree a little bit with you because, <laughs> you know, I, I really don't think he was drugged at Cassandra's. I think that. Please. Uh, <laughs> After he had the shock value of finding the severed foot, he that's when he gets into this instance of going to the Yuri's home. And because a lot of the surrounding, like it talks about it being a very comforting environment. It talks about it being calming and there's a whole bunch of books around. And so when he sits down and he finally has his mind a little bit at ease and is drinking the tea, then that is when he finally just kind of like, oh, you know, just lets go and it's like, and he falls asleep because he's utterly exhausted from overthinking and analyzing the whole situation. So, but then when it comes to M being somebody that is lonely and you want to hug, you know, when I was reading the whole story, I felt like M was the character who was trying to find himself or trying to figure out what he is supposed to be doing with his life, which was what Jay's character was supposed to be doing. But I feel like Jay had an amazing handle on his life. He knew what he wanted. He knew what he, what he was doing. And for M, it doesn't seem to, like, he seems to go back and forth about certain things on whether he wanted to stay in his job or if he wanted to do things with Rhonda and, and do things with his brother. Like he couldn't figure out what to do when he was at home. He would clean all day kind of deal. 
Yeah, but see, that's why I think he's a character. I, but that's why, from my point of view, I, I was. I, I think I I know people like him where they're never going to set the world on fire. They're never going to find a cure for cancer. They're never going to travel to all the continents. They're just going to live these quiet lives and they're just going to put one foot in front of the other every day and do the same thing until they retire. And if he's a bylaw officer, I assume in Canada, that's like a government job and there's a government pension at the end of it all. So I just see him as being this kind of quiet guy who is never going to rock the boat for anybody. And so that's why I felt, I feel a lot of, you know, empathy for him because I think I, I feel like he's going to live this solitary kind of lonely life and he'll just never like that. And that's the best it's ever going to be. And not because that he yearns for something more. I think he's content in what he has because he doesn't know any different. Because think about it, the guy finds a severed foot, a dead body, a third Chesterfield, and he just takes the Chesterfield home because it's it's comfortable. Like he doesn't put a lot of thought into things. He's just living his life day to day, not not analyzing it really. Well, now that you mentioned that, here's, I believe we found the answer to one of the red herrings. Oh, Okay. Okay. So on the back of the book, it says, on top of everything else, M is determined to track down the owner of that red Chesterfield and make sure they get a ticket. Well, guess who ends up being the owner of the red Chesterfield at the end of the book? Yeah, M does. But what does that mean? So does that mean that he found himself by finding this red Chesterfield? Oh, that's so freaking deep. You know me. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> that's really deep. But then did he give himself a ticket? That's actually really deep about him finding it. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. See, this is why I'm telling you people should write academic papers on this book. Wow. There, I bet you there are layers to this if you, because that was a really, your analysis has been really strong in some of those areas that I just didn't connect the dots. But I think there are just a million layers to this thing. There is. Yep. Wow. When. Uh... Earlier, you said you gave one of the things a one. Is it insightfulness? Yeah. So here's why. And it has nothing to do with the, like, it's not me saying that the book isn't insightful. I, that's why I kind of turned, turned that piece around a little bit for myself. It's sort of about the character's insightfulness. I sort of feel like none of them really have a clue what's going on and that's actually okay and it's funny that they don't because in other words all these crazy things are happening well certainly happening around m and with yuri and cassandra and boris and his the other sister whatever her name was i just feel like they don't have no one is sitting down and really kind of they don't strike me as people who are really introspective is my point so they really have a lot of insight into the life they live or or where they're going or or where they expect to end up at the end of it all, right? I just feel like they're just people living day to day, paycheck to paycheck, not probably invested in the news of the day or what's going on in the world. Like, I don't think they're going to be, none of them seem to me that they'd be worrying about global or climate change or whatever. You know what I mean? I feel like there's no insightfulness for the for them as people. And I, that's why I say I, I turn it around a little bit, not not the 
not that the story isn't insightful. I was just saying like the characters aren't insightful. Oh, so okay. Because the reason why I, I did it a nine is because I liked the idea that the readers have to be the ones that are insightful about it. And so we have to be the ones that really take our perceptions into view for the book. Like, you know, you view the tea one way and I view the tea the other way kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and like I said, I'm not, my one is just being kind of funny about it. Just saying like, oh, I think the characters have no insight into who they are or what their motivations are. They're just, like I said, living day to day, paycheck to paycheck. Right. How many maple leaves are you going to give this book? Well, it's funny because when I read it the first time around, I gave it four. And then when I read it the second time around, I'm giving it five because because it's exactly what we're saying. You and I both read it and we have completely different opinions about a lot of it. And I think it's a book that you could discuss with any group of people or any person that you talk to about this book. You're going to have widely different discussions. And that is what we love about reading is talking about books with each other. And I think I'm sure that if other people talk to us about it, I would be like, oh, my God, I never thought of that. You know, I just think there are so many layers and it's so much fun. And I give it five because I will never forget this book. How about you? I give it a five as well, uh, mainly because it's something that I would rec definitely recommend that other people read but also because of all the fabulous things that you just stated as well. We want to really push everyone to run out, buy a copy of the Red Chesterfield, or go to your public library and get a copy and read it in one sitting, enjoy it, read it again, and uh, let us know if anything we've said resonates or if you have uh, opinions that are completely different a different take on things. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah. Tell us what you thought was the biggest red herring of the Red Chesterfield by Wayne Arthurson. Thanks for listening. If you'd like us to continue providing great content like this, subscribe and tell all your friends about Canada Reads American Style. Goodbye.